Welcome to the VBPH Sermon Podcast. This week, we're reposting sermons from last week's Bible Conference in Prescott, Arizona. Each day this week, you'll enjoy sermons that were preached in the evening services, plus one morning seminar for our Saturday episode. Even our free subscribers will get a full week of ad-supported episodes. But if you'd like to support world evangelism with early released episodes and an ad-free listening experience, then use the links in the show notes to subscribe today. Thanks for listening, and enjoy today's sermon. Praise the Lord. After Richard Ruby's offering, I'm ready to throw in my, my coat. My, I don't even have a watch anymore, but my watch, etc. cetera. Uh, tonight, if you have your Bible, Galatians chapter 2. And... Um, I just turned, as I mentioned, 80 years old, and I want you to think with me about a life lived for God. Uh, The early years, the middle years, and the latter years. Because each of these sets of years, these seasons, they have their own particular Challenges, demands, rewards, pain, temptations, trials, and experiences. This will be true of every pastor and his wife here, your children, pillars of the church. All of us will have to navigate our way through these different sets of years in life. Uh, Connie, a couple of years ago, uh, she was talking to me and she said, Honey, I have friends, but I wake up alone and I go to bed alone and I could feel her loneliness. Now, she didn't speak this when we had kids in the house. And uh, when we're even in the middle years, strong, going, doing. So I called Pastor Mitchell and he said, Joe, he said, Sister Mitchell told me one time, uh, you taught me how to live alone. And so my point is each season has its own test, challenges. And each season will demand another dimension of faith. And how you process, embrace, develop that season of faith is going to qualify or help you survive or fail the next season of life. As I mentioned, I've been intrigued once again with Abraham, the father of our faith. And I want to look at his life this evening, but Galatians 2.20, the Apostle Paul is writing, he says, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life 
the life I now live in the flesh. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself more for me. The life I now live. Hebrews 11, again, he speaks in verse 6. He says, but without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So there's, there's a dynamic here that your faith has to be woven into the ministry and the decisions, the conflicts, the struggles, or you will not please God. A life lived for God. Father, we come tonight by your blood. We come by the power of the Holy Ghost, your word. I pray tonight you bind up the brokenhearted. Lord, you set at liberty those that are bruised, open prison doors to those who found themselves incarcerated. I pray you heal the sick. May your gospel forever be preached to the poor. God, minister to your people tonight. Give them understanding about life and living for God. I thank you for them in Jesus' name. Let's think about the faith of the early years. Here is Abraham. He's called out by faith. Genesis 12:1, get out of your country from your family, from your father's house, to a land I will show you. This is inescapable. When you get saved and begin to move with God, begin to understand God has purpose for you, there's a calling out. Come out from friends. Come out from family many times. You've heard me tell the story, a lifestyle. I sold my bike. Come out from the familiar, the comfort zone. 2 Corinthians 6.17 Therefore come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean, and I will receive you. Jesus in Matthew 10 He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. He who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Verse 39 of chapter 10, who who finds his life will lose it. But he who loses his life for my sake will find it. That demands a faith. It's Jesus giving us a challenge. Luke 14, 3, so likewise, whoever of you does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. That wasn't just written to Jesus' day. It wasn't just written to my generation. That's written to the generation sitting here this evening. Wasn't easy for Abraham, and it won't be easy for you. But every generation has to fight through the excuses to please God because without faith you can labor in kingdom business 
but still that element of pleasing him is absent. The excuses can sound so reasonable, so legitimate, so acceptable. Luke 14, 18, but all with one accord begin to make excuse. First said, I bought a piece of ground. I must go see it. Have me excused. I bought a house. I can't respond to what you're asking of me, God. I bought five yoke of oxen. I have a business. I have a career. Have demands. Please have me excused. I've married a wife. Relationships, all of these in our mind can become a very acceptable excuse for saying, God, I'm not going to please you right now. I'm not going to exercise faith in the unknown of your call and what you're asking of me. But none of these were invited to taste of my supper. In in Malaysia, I understood something about eating together. We could go out to a hawker stand or something with church people. We could go maybe to a restaurant. But if they ever invited Connie and I to their home to eat, they were in. They were in the church. They had crossed a threshold. In this text, Jesus is saying our relationship now is going to be limited because you did not exercise faith. You chose the comfort, the familiar, the material, a person. It's Elijah passing by Elisha. Casting the mantle of calling. And Elisha says, let me, let me go bid them farewell. Of my, and Elisha said, what have I got to do with you? See, no one can be your faith. You're going to have to make the call, Elisha. And you know the story, you've heard sermons. Kill the oxen, they were plowing with 12 yoke of oxen. Perhaps took the wooden plow used it for firewood to, or to build the altar. And he was making a powerful statement that you will have to make. I'm not going back there. I'm burning this bridge. That's no longer an option. God, I'm going with you. I wonder how many right here this evening, this is the end of your story with God. This is where you stall out. This is where you get diverted. This is where you put the call. You put your relationship on God in pause mode. Our churches are filled with a generation that they're stuck right here. God, I hear you calling me. I come to conference in the local church. I'm stirred to do something for God. And we heard even last night, Pastor Greg, but not now. Later, I need to take care of some things first. Pastor Mitchell used to talk about, we say the words willing to go, 
planning to stay. Matthew 8, 19, teacher, I'll follow you wherever you go. Jesus said, foxes have holes, birds of the air have a nest, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Really? Are you serious? Did you just say what I thought you said, Jesus? Do you really expect me to live my life like that? Is that what you're asking of me, that I may follow you completely? Listen to me. Discipleship can teach you the pattern, but only you can pay the price for your faith. Only you can live your faith. Which begs the question, is the faith you're living, please God. The life I now live, I live by faith. Paul in the dirt on the Damascus Road makes that incredible statement, Lord, what would you have me do? Have you made that statement? Do you live that statement? Is that the proverb of your life? Lord, what would you have me do? It's Jesus in Gethsemane. Father, if it be possible, if it, oh, if it's, let it pass, but nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Is that you? Three different conferences I was at, and I'm talking to the leader of the conference. I said, so uh, who are you launching on World Evangelism Night? You got some churches going out. And three different conferences. This was over a time period of probably a year. And each of them responded and said, Pastor Campbell, I can't believe it. I have open doors. There's opportunities And I have pastors that once said to me, listen, pastor, if there's ever a nation, if there's ever a city, if there's ever an open door to, listen, my family, we're ready to go. And see, he said, I went to, this was unsolicited. Said, I went to them. And they all basically said the same thing. Pastor, I can't go. I've got to take care of my Retirement, my security, my kids, I need to put them through the college or university. I can't, can't go. Is that you tonight? Do you think that will stand up before God? Do you really think that will be acceptable? Connie and I in the early years, Pastor Ruby talked about this. We've been saved maybe a couple years or so, and we were youth pastors in Assembly of God Church. The church was maybe 45, 60 people. And we were living in the attic of the church, two children. And uh, when I first took this position, I was working for the telephone industry and uh, uh, very... I mean, they were promoting me. I was saved in my right mind. 
And God began to deal with me about going full-time. This church couldn't support me by faith. And I remember talking to Connie, and thank God for a precious Holy Ghost wife. She got filled with the Holy Ghost spoken tongues for three days. I'm a raw sinner. I said, what are you doing? I mean, don't do that in front of the kids. <laughs> I had two children in school. And I remember going to my supervisor, Dennis Gooch was his name. And he was a Christian man. And I said, Dennis, uh, listen, and, he, and I'd witnessed on the job, every, he knew I was there. I said, God's dealing with me to go full time and the church could give me $25 a week. I said, but it, uh, he said, we were just, listen, we just had a discussion. We're going to make you like a supervisor. We're going to give you an automobile bonuses, all kind of, I said, I'm sorry. I want to tell you about a life lived for God. Years later, my grandson Daniel wasn't even born then. He's in southern Illinois. He's putting satellite dishes on homes. That's, that's his employment. And he's, his name's Joseph Daniel Campbell. And this guy asked him, he said, Are, do you know Joe Campbell? He said, yeah, it's, it's my grandpa. He said, my granddad, Dennis Gooch, tells this story about this guy who worked for him, whose name was Joe Campbell, and came in and left everything and went into the ministry full time. We're talking about decades down the road. But revival broke out in that church. I'm praying with teenagers all night long. I mean, the altars are filled, the building was packed. Started a coffee house. I'd make contact with Pastor Mitchell by phone. But something powerful happened to my faith because God miraculously provided. I didn't publicize. I didn't ask for money. I didn't. God miraculously. And now. Jehovah Jireh wasn't just a scripture. It wasn't just a story in the Bible. It was personal. My God is well able to provide. And I caught a revelation. My ministry was my security. I told Pastor Tory this. He and his wife when they went to Barbados. I said, listen, your ministry goes with you. And if you'll pay the price, uh, if you'll purchase this by faith and obedience, listen, God, if God can't take care of us, your business is not going to take care of you. But you see, it was a faith that was purchased in the throes of life. The life I now live, he said, I live by faith. Paul, another place, that I may know him in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. If you don't pay the price for the relationship 
that is linked to your faith and submission and obedience, it'll just be theology. So Abraham departed. Genesis 12, 4, then verse 7, then the Lord appeared to Abraham. When you obey, God appears. The pastor of this church had begun to grow and he was, he was working, had a business. Probably in hindsight, he was threatened because I'm there in the throes of it. I'm accessible. I'm praying with people all night long. He put my family now on the street, basically. We didn't blink. We didn't get bitter. We didn't blame. We, didn't, we went to Mounds, Illinois, 1,700 people, poorest county in the state. They couldn't get a pastor. You've heard me tell the, the former pastor was a woman. And they couldn't get a pastor for months and months and months. She stayed. She'd retired. She's playing the piano. She finally left. Praise the Lord. <laughs> I remember one time I, I preached a sermon. I mean, it was radical. If God says he'll open heaven's windows if you give 10%, I wonder what'll happen if we give 90 and keep 10. And I preached that. Largest offering they ever had in that poverty-stricken church. Revival broke out. While I'm taking that offering, she's playing, I shall not be, I shall not be moved. (laughs) But again, revival exploded. We enlarged the building. We bought, I could tell you miracle stories. But my point is, somewhere your faith has to be exercised and demonstrated and lived or else it will become anemic, it will become stagnant, it'll be weak. Pioneered in Phoenix. Came to conference, you've heard the story. Pastor Mitchell launched Connie and I. We didn't even know what launching was. <laughs> uh, yeah, I miss him. We had a joke in channel. I never asked him uh, about someone I'm at conference. He always preached in our conference. What do you think about this guy, Pastor? And I begin to throw out the guy's problems. He said, launch him, Campbell. I launched you. I didn't even know you. So we had a joke in Chandler among some of the older pastors. I said, yeah, I went to him. I said, listen, pastor, he's got three wives. He deals drugs. Launch him, Campbell. (laughs) He told me one time, ministry is building the kingdom with flawed people. Who are you launching this week? This week. Thanks again for listening to the free version of the VBPH Sermon Podcast, where we post sermons on Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, and Sundays. We also have a premium version of this podcast, which posts sermons and interviews every single day of the week. So why would you want to subscribe? I'm glad you asked. I have five reasons for you. Number one, on the premium version, we post full versions of Testimony Tuesday, Pastor Campbell Thursday, and Study Day Saturday. If you'd like to hear those episodes, then subscribe now. Reason number two, uninterrupted listening. We remove all ads and all extraneous content from our premium feed. Reason number three, premium episodes always release six hours earlier than the free version. 
If you're an early bird, it's a great reason to subscribe. Number four, our subscribers will gain access to our sermon chat group on WhatsApp, where we interact directly with listeners around the globe. If you'd like to chat with other premium subscribers, subscribe today. And finally, every dollar we raise goes to world evangelism. This is the best reason to subscribe because you are helping us launch churches all around the world. We don't put one dime in our pockets. Everything that we raise from this podcast will go directly to Thursday night of Chandler Conference. So please subscribe today by using the links in the show notes below. Thanks. It was in those days. I didn't have an office. I had a closet. My desk was some cement blocks with an old door. If I wrote a sermon, I didn't get to preach many sermons, but when I did write a sermon, I had to be careful I didn't punch through the paper. But this is the Bible that I had during those days. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. I can remember nights because I wasn't employed, I was full-time these kids getting saved, I'd be, and then I would pick up my Bible and I would read and I would highlight and I would mark and I would call on God and I would pray, God, God, speak to me, show me who you are, God. I want to know you. I don't just want to know about you. I want to know you. I want to know who you are, God. Young pastor, what does your Bible look like? Pages. Worn. Taped together. I didn't have money to buy another Bible. What does your Bible look like? It's where I cut my teeth, so to speak. God, I just want to know you. Remember hours and hours I'd talk to Connie. We'd read it together. What about you tonight? This happened in the early years. The early years. The Old Testament. In the margins, in the covers. Then comes the middle years. Your faith tested and enlarged. And this is the place where faith found fruitfulness. Battled with barrenness. Abraham was blessed but barren. It's possible to be blessed materially but barren spiritually. Bible says Abraham was very rich in livestock and silver and in gold. It's possible. Your work, your employment, your business, your career, doing fantastic. But what about the church? What about converts? We've heard it already this conference. Abraham keeps getting these words from God promises of fruitfulness. 
I will make you a great nation. Brought him outside, look toward the heavens, count the stars if you are able to number them. So shall your descendants be. You were designed by God to be fruitful. It's in your DNA. This is true in the natural and in the spiritual. In Genesis 1.27, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and said, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it and have dominion. Jesus declares this in the spiritual realm. Fruitfulness is your portion. Somewhere you have to embrace and fight and contend. John 15, 16, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. Abraham battles with barrenness. Barrenness is a curse. No converts, no disciples, no growth. And I understand some of what's been preached about the, the seed sown and the labors. But listen, we're in a, living in a day of harvest. Haggai said, you've sown much, but bring in little. Barrenness cannot be excused. It cannot be ignored, pretending it's not there. Jesus passes by this fig tree. It had all of the appearance of fruitfulness. It looked vibrant, but there was no fruit. And he makes a statement, this is not acceptable. The next day, he curses it. The next day, Peter, remembering, said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered away. What he said, I don't want any confusion. Appearance, style, personality, ability, talent is not the same as fruitfulness. Mark Olson told the story this morning about his conversation with Pastor Mitchell, but he, he, he left out the last chapter or one of the following chapters. Not only was he fruitful here, after fasting and praying and contending and agonizing, he went to Davao City when I went to Malaysia about the same time. There was a war going on. There was Muslim insurrection. I mean, it was dangerous. It was wild in Davao City. Yet he went there and fruitfulness went with him. Today, some 305 churches have been planted out of that devout church. Would you give God praise? <laughs> Pastor Artie Aragon, sitting right here with his wife, Chinley, Arizona. It's one of the great miracles in our fellowship. If you've ever been there, about 5,000 people. Denny's, Burger King, and Subway. I think they finally got their second stoplight. 
went there 30 years ago. The brokenness, the suicide, the demon-possessed. COVID, I think he told me, did some 130 funerals. Out of that congregation, they planted churches, Canada, China, various reservations. But recently, HBO is doing a documentary on him and his church. The beautiful side of evil. Artie can tell the story better than I can. Would you come right here? Would you come and tell it? My question to him, why in the world would HBO, I mean, they've got cameras in his church, they're following him around, they're asking him a million questions. Why would they want to do that? Oh my goodness. (laughs) We were closed for about two years. And... uh, the true numbers of the funerals during the COVID was about 160, maybe 180. So it was a very dark, dark hour, and you know most of the normal amenities of life don't exist in Chinle. So after you invest 30 years of your life somewhere, you kind of wonder what's going to happen. And you just live for God by faith, and you know you're kind of just trying to put your life together and put the church back together. One day a camera crew came to the church and I was definitely in pastor mode and they said hey uh, we're doing a documentary on the Navajo police and there's a particular boy in your church that we went to see all the cadets and he stuck out like a sore thumb no tattoos clean cut extremely polite so we asked him what your story is he says well I'm a native but I grew up in church HBO was floored. You grew up in a church in Chinle. They called it the, the beautiful side of evil. So they said, can we go to this church? And it went from interviewing the cadets. And at first I just said, you know what? Uh, I'm not going to change anything for you. You can film our church service. You can film the family. The family's here with us today. And uh, you do whatever it is you do. But uh, we're going to speak in touch. We're not changing a thing. He said, can we interview you? And I said, you know, I'm, I'm kind of off limits. I'm not a police officer. So they came to the first service, and they filmed our service, and, and they were intrigued. They could not believe what they saw. Hundreds of Navajos clean and in order and lifting their hands to God. And so it went on, and, and finally they called me back. And they said, do we really want to talk to you? Give us 20 minutes of your time. So they met me at the church at 6 in the morning, watched me pull in the parking lot, film me as I opened the door. And you know what? Get away from me, man. What the heck? Watch me make coffee. And, and the 20-minute interview lasted four hours. They saw all the men that we had launched out on the wall and the international ministries, and they understood the damage that COVID did to the Navajo people. 
And today we're just watching this amazing outpouring of God in Chinle, Arizona. More than I deserved. <laughs> HBO and Artie Aragon, what a deal. <laughs> So what's your excuse, Pastor? How'd that happen? Known Artie and Sandra for many years, and price paid to break the curse of barrenness. God says, Abraham, I'm your shield and your exceeding great reward. He said, What's that mean to me when I have no son born in my own house? Is that you, Pastor? Do you weep? So we heard that, like Hannah, God, and Rebecca. Do you agonize? I was just in Guam. I mean, the clucks. I mean, you've been to Guam. They paid their life there. Pastor Glenn gave his life there. I was just there recently. I was reminded of the story. Glenn and I, one day he, we get stopped and got some ice cream. I got a cup of ice cream. He said, Joe, I want to show you my world. I said, okay. It's a number of years ago, and we took a drive around basically his whole world while I ate a cup of ice cream. And yet they're launching churches, India, across the islands, into the states. I'm there on Sunday morning, some 680 people. The problem with barrenness, if you don't break the curse, Hagar becomes very tempting. It's almost like a demonic placement when you're not seeing people saved and converts and things happening for God. There's a seduction of Hagar from the religious world, a religious Hagar. Then all of a sudden, all the foolishness from the church world begins to be an option. No real preaching. No dealing, no conviction, no discipline, eternal worship services, and absolutely no altar calls. It's like we're going to entertain them into the kingdom with some type of religious Hagar. Hagar can also carry the face of the world here, this seduction of your flesh. Somewhere, you'll have to break the curse. I remember going to Malaysia, Muslim country. Everyone there basically said, you can't be here, except one man, Colin Gordon, Assembly of God pastor. He's old. I just recently was back there in that rally just a couple of months ago. Colin Gordon sent word to Alan. He said, I see I see on the... Uh, Pastor Campbell, Joey called me, probably said he's coming. Would you come and have him pray for me? I have cancer. 
In that rally, there's workers from nations all around. Muslim country. Pastor Richard Ruby made this statement to me one time. He said, I believe the, one of the sparks that sparked China was when those early disciples were able to fly over to Malaysia and see with their own eyes who we really are. Do you have that kind of faith that pleases God in the face of opposition and people discouraging you and people saying it's not possible and you're foolish if you do that and and what about your kids and what about the security and the list goes on and on. I want to close with the latter years. You have to finish well. You have to stay in the game. Paul again writes in 2 Timothy his last words. I've fought a good fight. I've finished the race. I have kept the faith. God tested Abraham later in life. The miracle happened. He broke the curse of barrenness and course Isaac was born. But then God came and said, I want you to take now your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love. I want you to go to the land of Moriah and offer him there. It's one thing to birth sons and daughters. It's another thing to offer them up to God. You pour your life into them. This sometimes is the most difficult. You've prayed, you've believed, you've labored, you've agonized. God, give me fruit. God, God, build your church. God, increase. God, I'm, I'm tired of preaching to empty chairs. God, and God does that. And then he says, I want you to not just disciple, not just have a relationship, but I want you to offer them back up to me. Can you trust God here? I've offered men that were like sons to me, loved them, and they rebelled. Walked away. Painful, agonizing. But will you keep doing it? Abraham, the Bible says, the very next morning, he took the miracle of birthing picture of faith and sometimes success say God I want to give them back to you give them back to you many of you know my wife Connie she's, she's, it's been brutal she got COVID in May of 2020 she's never recovered some of you have seen her in church she's in a wheelchair and uh, it's, it's just been agonizing it's just been her balance is gone. She has no energy. Uh, just tormenting. And Hill and Rosa Cota, many of you know, the last few years, Hill would drive me always to Prescott and went to Mexico. Uh, a lot of places with me, took care of me, helped me. But Rosa, you may not have known, uh, she just loved Connie. They were in Dominican Republic for a number of years, built a great work there, launched churches into Cuba, Panama, various places. Churches run around a couple of hundred people came back on staff, and when Connie began to 
really struggle and have it. Rosa was, I mean, every day she was at our house. They lived very close to us. Connie, before conference, you know, she's been around the block. The old girl's been around the block a few times. And she'd heard me talk because in Dominican it wasn't going well. Hill and Rosa have been on staff maybe five or six years. Staff knows this. Pastor Tori, Tozer, first ones, they, they know what I'm talking about. It began to, we tried several pastors in there and it just kept, it's down to 85 people. A lot of issues. So Connie says, honey, listen, 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 listen. She says, launch all your staff. Launch anybody, but don't launch Rosa. I said, baby, uh, who am I going to launch? She says, I'll launch Hector and Nicole. They're doing fantastic in South Africa. I said, they don't speak Spanish. She said, I don't care. (laughs) But we launched them back into Dominican Republic. They're there even as I speak. Price isn't just for the early years, although it's there, or the middle years. There's a price in the latter years. Paul said, I've fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I've kept the faith. Pastor, will you take your Isaac up to the mountain this week? I just read that there's what we're approaching, 8 billion people. India very, very soon is going to surpass China as the largest populated nation in the world. Will you take your pastor that you love, a disciple, a couple, a family, so dear to you, so precious to you, and and I hope you... In COVID, I had it. I said, I'm sick of this. In our COVID, we had a conference. And I launched 10 couples. Not um, Our conference was more. I launched 10 couples out of Chandler in one conference. Who are you launching? By faith. I mean, you're not just launching people. You're launching their ministry, their influence. They're filling song leaders and, I mean, door directors and bands and dramas and follow-up and Bible studies and, and people who are solid and with you. And, and you're, you're launching a whole arena. But that's what we do. Your portion, I speak to older people now. Listen, your portion of a life lived for God is peace. It's peace. And there's just something about living. And I listen, all the accounts aren't settled on this side of eternity. One day we'll stand before God. And those of you that labored and maybe never saw in the flesh what you really, what you prayed and you gave, and you were faithful, and you went through crisis, you buried loved ones, weeping. You gave, as we heard, when you didn't have it to give. 
Listen, your portion is a peace. There's just a peace that when all the world's crazy and, and, and the attacks come, and the misunderstandings and the conflicts of life. Listen, like I say, I'm 80 years old. I got saved when I was 29. Listen, there's just a peace and a confidence. Paul said, listen, I've, I've fought a fight, but I've, I've stayed on the track. I've finished my course. Henceforth, there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness. The righteous judge will give, but not to me only, but to you but to you, but to you. At the end of the day, you will never regret a life lived for God. I ask you to bow your head with me this evening. Thank you so much for listening to the sermon podcast of the Virginia Beach Potter's House Church. Were you blessed by today's message? Let us know. Please leave us a rating on Apple Podcast or on Podchaser. We'll be back next time with another life-changing word from heaven. God bless.